Now today, we're looking at two chapters from 2 Samuel 9 and 10. And um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of stuff going on here. And it's about the king's kindness. And I'd, so when we hear the reading in a minute, Tim's going to read to us. I'd really like us to focus particularly on three people that I want to particularly talk about today. There's David, King David, and there's Mephibosheth, uh, there's a disabled grandson of David's very close friend, Jonathan. Now, if you go away without being able to do it, does anyone know, how to, does anyone, know anyone called Mephibosheth? Because I've never met anyone. I'd love to meet someone called Mephibosheth. I've got a real soft spot for him. But I've learned how to say it, and, and I've been trying hard all week, so I put it phonetically there for you so that you know. Okay? There's Mephibosheth, and then there's Hanan. And Hanan is the son of the king of the Ammonites, a nearby nation, and his dad's called Nahash. And he's called Hanan. And my name's difficult to pronounce, Bez Weatherick, so I'm very aware of people have trouble with my name a lot, so I feel for Mephibosheth. Anyway, so let's pray for a moment, then we'll hear the reading uh, from Tim. Lord, we pray that you'll speak to us through this reading, even though some of these things might be a bit unfamiliar to us from these a uh, long time ago, hundreds and hundreds of years ago. We pray, Lord, that your spirit will take these words and speak to our hearts, that your, your kindness and your love will come through and that you'll really bless us through these two chapters today. Thank you, Lord. Amen. So I'll hand over to Tim. Good morning. Thanks. Well, no pressure then. Mephibosheth. 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 Um, 2 Samuel chapter 9, page 312 in the Church Bibles, uh, starting at verse 1. 2 Samuel chapter 9, and it's page 312. David asked, is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. They summoned him to appear before David and the king said to him, are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. Where is he? The king asked. Ziba answered, He's at the house of Machir, son of Amiel in Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, son of Amiel, When Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down to pay him honour. David said, Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul and you will always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, what is your servant that you should notice a dead dog like me? Then the king summoned Ziba, Saul's steward, and said to him, 
I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your sons and your servants are to farm the land for him and to bring the crops so that your master's grandson may be provided for. And Mephibosheth, grandson of your master, will always eat at my table. Now Ziba had 15 sons and 20 servants. Then Ziba said to the king, your servant will do whatever my lord the king commands his servant to do. So Mephibosheth ate at David's table like one of the king's sons. Mephibosheth had a young son named Micah, and all the members of Ziba's household were servants of Mephibosheth. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. In the course of time, the king of the Ammonites died, and his son Hanan succeeded him as king. David thought, I will show kindness to Hanan, son of Nahash, just as his father showed kindness to me. So David sent a delegation to express his sympathy to Hanan concerning his father. When David's men came to the land of the Ammonites, the Ammonite commanders said to Hanan, their lord, Do you think David is honouring your father by sending envoys to you to express sympathy? Hasn't David sent them to you only to explore the city and spy it out and overthrow it? So Hanan seized David's envoys, shaved off half of each man's beard, cut off their garments at the buttocks and sent them away. When David was told about this, he sent messengers to meet the men, for they were greatly humiliated. The king said, stay at Jericho till your beards have grown and then come back. When the Ammonites realized that they'd become obnoxious to David, they hired 20,000 Aramean foot soldiers from Beth Rehob and Zobar, as well as the king of Makkah with a thousand men, and also 12,000 men from Tob. On hearing this, David sent Joab out with the entire army of fighting men. And then we skip on to verse 13. Then Joab and the troops with him advanced to fight the Arameans, and they fled before him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Uh, well done, Tim. Not an easy reading, is it? All different names. So last week, if you were here, uh, we had Rosie telling us about how um, King David, uh, as king, initially fought the enemies of his nation without a sword, without armour, only using some stones as a little shepherd boy. And she, she mentioned how Jesus, uh, with King Jesus, without a sword, without armour, and, and in his great love and kindness for all of us, uh, he died in a brutal way on the cross to defeat our enemies of suffering, sickness, and death. So David was king of one nation. Jesus is king of everything. In fact, John tells us 
Everything's created through Jesus. So he's king of kings, lord of lords. Now, I've just come back from holiday in Wales. And I don't know if you know anything about Wales, but one of the things about Wales is there's loads of castles. And some of those castles were actually garrisons, and they were built by King Edward I, an English king, in order to subdue the Welsh. And so there was lots of stuff going on, battles and stuff going on, but he did get peace at one point. And he was born around this time of year, actually, but a long time ago, this King Edward I. June the 17th, 1239, he was born. So his birthday's just gone. And then he died July the 7th, 1307. So his death memorial is coming up. Anyway, he was methodical and he was quite brutal in his domination of the Welsh people. And you can see that sort of brutality and, and so on and, uh, in the ancient kings and see some leaders today too. So although David started without armour, without uh, a sword, um, as a shepherd boy, he did become a king who, while loving and worshipping God, he did later fight and dominate the enemies of his nation, Israel. And one of the techniques he used was the same of King Edward I, uh, in establishing garrisons, like castles we might call them, to keep his enemies under control. For example, in Edom, tells us David put garrisons throughout Edom. The Edomites became subject to David. The Lord gave David victory wherever he went. So this has been going on. And throughout his life, David had faith in God, enthusiastically worshipped him, too enthusiastic for his wife, Michal, once. But that's another story. Um, he, he worshipped God, he followed him, he wrote many of the psalms, the songs that we see in the Bible. So once he had peace from this war, and garrisons had been built, there was peace, David thought he would show kindness to others. And he wanted to show that in a way that reflected God's good and kind and loving character. And that brings us to this passage today. So when talking to his servant Ziba, David said... Is there still no one still alive from the house of Saul to who I can show God's kindness? That's in verse 3. And the kindness David showed was unusual because kings at the time, the tradition was, or you were kind of expected, to, to basically kill off the previous royal family. You know, that's how things happened. And you can see this happening today sometimes. David was inspired by God, though, to show the kindness God shows to all of us constantly. So here are a couple of examples of David showing God's kindness in these chapters this morning. And the first one's to Mephibosheth. Now, if we could have the next slide, number three, I think we're on. That's it. So it, it gets a bit, I got confused, right? when I was preparing this. So I think it's useful if you, if you can see what's going on. So you've got, there you see Mephibosheth at the bottom. So Jonathan, in the middle there, is the son of Saul, the king, the previous king. And um, he's a very close friend of David's. Even though his father, King Saul, tried to kill David on numerous occasions. He felt very threatened by him. So Jonathan was often torn between his loyalty to his father and his loyalty to his friend David. It was very difficult for him. But Jonathan helped David avoid being killed by Saul. Then he died in battle with his father. 
And then 2 Samuel 4.4 tells us this about Mephibosheth. It says, Jonathan, son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old. Now you imagine this. This is, this is awful, an awful tragedy, this. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. So they've been killed. His dad has been killed, right? If that isn't bad enough, his nurse picked him up and he fled. But as she hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled. So it's, it's terrible, isn't it, what's happened? It's a real tragedy. And his name was Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth was disabled in a tragic accident and David wanted to show kindness to him. Right, that's the first act of kindness. The second act of kindness is towards Hanan. Now, as I said earlier, Hanan was the son of the king of the Ammonites called Nahash. And David probably wanted to help him, well he did want to help him because of his father and he probably, the previous king, had helped David when he was fleeing from Saul who's trying to kill him. So Nahash had probably helped him, so he wanted to re repay him. Um, and so, um, so David thought, I'll show kindness to Hanan, son of Nahash, just as his father showed kindness to me. So David sent off a delegation. He didn't go himself, as kings do. He sent a delegation to express his sympathy to Hanan concerning his father, who's just died, and Hanan has become king. So now we've got these, that's the second act of kindness, and now we've got these three people I want to particularly concentrate on, David, Mephibosheth, and Hanan. Now, if you look at Hanan and Mephibosheth, there's something they both had in common. You might think, well, they've got nothing in common. They have got something in common. They both had a real fear of being killed by David, both of them. And they had slightly different reasons for that. But Mephibosheth was afraid of David because kings at the time, as I said, were expected to kill all the members of the previous royal family. And his father and his grandfather were the previous royal family. So Mephibosheth may well have expected David to kill him. He didn't think David was going to show God's kindness to him. He probably thought it was a bit of a trick. In fact, David hadn't said, had he? Unless the servant said something. He expected David to most likely execute him or something horrible. Meanwhile, Hanan was probably afraid of David anyway. He knew he was very powerful. He won his battles. And he didn't expect him to show God's kindness to him. But he's a very new king so, you know, he wasn't quite sure what to do, so he asked the battle-hardened Ammonite commanders in his army for advice as to what to do with this delegation from King David who'd arrived. So in chapter 10, uh, verse 2, you can read there that David's men came to the land of the Ammonites. The Ammonite commander said to Hanan their Lord, do you think David is honoring your father by sending envoys to you to express sympathy? Hasn't David sent them to you only to explore the city and spy it out and overthrow it? So they didn't trust David either, did they? So Hanan didn't trust David's kindness and felt David couldn't be trusted. And so these two men had something in common in this distrust. But their responses were quite different. Right, let's go back to Mephibosheth. How did he respond? Well... It tells us verse 6 
of uh, chapter 9, I think it is, when Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David, he bowed down, pay him honor. And David said, oh, Mephibosheth, he might have put his arms out like me, I don't know. But it's got an exclamation mark, but whether that's in the original, I don't think it is. Anyway, that's how the translator thought it was. And then, he, and then he says, oh, at your service, you know, he's bowing down to him, Mephibosheth. He's probably worrying now that David is going to do something horrible to him. And David's aware of this, so he says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Isn't that what the angels say so often? They said it to Mary, and I think that's what God says to us too, actually. Sometimes we're just afraid of the greatness of God. Don't be afraid, David said to him, for I will show, surely show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan. I will restore to you all the land that belonged to your grandfather Saul, and you'll always eat at my table. Mephibosheth bowed down and said, What is your servant? That you, you should notice a dead dog like me. So Mephibosheth says basically he couldn't believe his ears. He couldn't understand why the king would be so generous to him when he says, what's your servant? I should know. You should know it's a dead dog like me. He had a really low opinion of himself, didn't he? So it's twice mentioned here in the scriptures that Mephibosheth uh, is disabled. They make quite a point of it. And David went against what the servant was expecting him to say, I think, here, firstly, because David wanted to help Mephibosheth, even though he was disabled. And that, that, they didn't have quite the same attitude to many of us about disability then. The king asked, Is there no one still alive from the house of Saul to show God's kindness? Ziba answered the king, the servant, Well, there's still a son of Jonathan. He's lame in both feet. So why did he mention that? Well, I think it may be implied here by Ziba the servant when he says, He's lame in both feet. With the unsaid question, Why are you bothering about him? He's just a disabled person. I think that's what he might be saying. And Mephibosheth seems to reflect the same attitude about the way he's been treated as a disabled person. Um, He said he felt like a dead dog. You know, he's suggesting, I'm no use to anyone due to my disability. And he's saying, "Why why are you worrying about a dead dog like me, David? And we can see in Jesus' time later that this sort of negative attitude towards people with a disability was quite common. You can see it in the disciples' attitude. You probably know the passage I'm going to quote, John 9, 1 to 3. As Jesus went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? They thought he'd done something wrong. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, said Jesus, but this happened so the work of God might be displayed in his life. And then Jesus, in his great love and kindness, healed the man from blindness. Jesus went against the cultural norm, the thinking of the day, with regard to disability here. So I've got this real personal fondness um, towards Mephibosheth, because we see how God's kindness that we see in Jesus in healing that blind man is seen in David's kindness here too. And Mephibosheth just thinks he's a bit of a dead dog. And I wonder if, are you feeling a bit like you're a bit of a dead dog this morning? You're feeling, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not any good. I'm no, no use to anyone, for whatever reason. I'm worn out. I'm, I'm not really much use to anybody. Because I certainly feel like that sometimes. I don't know if you do. So maybe this is for you. 
And as many of you know, I've got a special kind of fondness too because I used to teach children, young people with disabilities. So I, I'm drawn to this passage anyway. And it seems here that David welcomed Mephibosheth, provided for his needs, without being put off by his disability. So it's a reminder of, to us all of, to welcome people, whatever their needs, into our families like David did. He welcomed into his royal family, uh, our workplaces, and the family of God here at St. John's as David did into his royal family. And of course, at the moment, we're particularly, we've been focusing on welcome, which is a great thing, how we can better welcome all, be kind to all, with all our varying needs in St. John's. And we've got a welcome desk out there in the fellowship room. So if you're new, do go to that and find out more about what we get up to here. But we're also looking at our welcome to people who have varying particular needs. For example, in the, in the youth and children's work, uh, we try and support in a very positive way those people who might have additional needs. And we're also going to get some seats in church with arms on um, and a comfortable seat to help people who might find it difficult with the seats we've got. We're not going to replace them all, but we're going to get some to help people. Anyway, let's get back to Mephibosheth. He responded by gratefully receiving David's kind and generous gift. He received it which truly did reflect God's kindness, that gift. David's acceptance of this disabled man. Also, he was so generous to Mephibosheth. And actually, I've realized now, Zeba did pretty well out of it as well, didn't he? But have a look at that later. But this is a great example to all of us in our relationships and encourages us with the hope of the Holy Spirit to accept and be kind and generous to all. Right, now let's move on to Hanan, his response. Again, Hanan, distrustful of David as a powerful king, uh, only reinforced by the advice he gets from his commanders to reject David's offer, even though David wanted to offer sympathy at the death of his father Nahash. So Hanan, I don't want any of that. He rejected the kindness of David and paid a terrible price in battle with David and lost many men. That's his rejection of David's kindness. And of course, you probably know where I'm going with this, but I wonder if there are any parallels between these two responses to David's attempt to show God's kindness to Mephibosheth and Hanan. I wonder if there are parallels in our possible response sitting here this morning, or friends of ours, uh, or feelings about God today. Is there a a parallel there in the way we we react? As I said, Mephibosheth didn't trust David at first, but then he became convinced of his kind and good intentions. And I think in our relationship with God, we have to be convinced that God is kind. He's not some kind of ogre that's chucking all this suffering and and stuff at us and allowing horrible things to happen to us all the time. So we sometimes feel like a dead dog, like uh, Mephibosheth, down and out, discouraged. We have to be convinced God is kind. And Hanan just didn't trust David's kindness at all. He thought, David's a powerful king, and and he's out to get me and make me suffer, and that's it. And he didn't go any further, so he rejected him. And it it may be that you sitting here this morning, um, or people you know, because of the suffering you see in your life and the life of others, you feel there is no God. Or if there is a God, he's not very kind. He causes all the suffering. He doesn't care. Well, I heard a woman speak uh, at a conference on Tuesday, and 
it was interesting. She started, she talked about how she'd become a Christian. And the first thing she said was that my relationship with God was, I blamed him for everything. I blamed him for everything. And um, she, she basically concentrated all the things that were going wrong in her life, all the pressures she was under, and blamed God for them. And then she said that she came to realize through reading the Bible, to talking to people who were Christians and receiving their kindness around her, that God was kind and could be trusted, even in a world where things go wrong. The kindness she sourced led her to trust God's kindness. And of course, we're the people here sitting this morning who can show that kindness to others, and I'm sure you do. And then this woman received from God the gift of eternal life. She received it like Mephibosheth. She received that gift of eternal life from him, which is wonderful. Um, Just as Mephibosheth received that gift of always staying at the king's table. So she moved, this woman moved from this distrustful relationship to a trustful relationship, and she received that wonderful gift of eternal life. And I wonder if any of you sitting here, or people you know, are feeling the same things. You might be thinking, is God really kind when I and others suffer so much? We, we get down, we feel like a dead dog. Do you, do you, does that ring any bells with you? Well, I find it sometimes helpful. I look at God's actions in Jesus, and then that helps me to sort of answer this question. And one of the things that helps me is, you know, first of all, you've got Jesus healing the disabled. In the example I gave him, the blind man, Jesus cared for disabled people, sick people, constantly, when others around him thought they weren't bothering with or tried to shut them up. Um, And others suggested it might be their fault in some way. But Jesus' kindness went beyond other people's kindness. But the ultimate example, of course, is Jesus coming and the most mind-blowing, powerful king of all coming to live among us. That's the thing. And, And sharing in our sufferings and being with us. He became a human being. And as he allowed us, us human beings, to treat him unjustly, to put him on trial unjustly, to suffer a most terrible death unjustly, so that he could overcome all the suffering and pain and death we're faced with. And he rose from the dead to give us that eternal life that that woman I was talking about received and became a Christian. Jesus did that for us because of his kindness and his love. He walks with us, overcomes all these enemies of ours. He still heals people today. If you want to hear one of the ways he's healed me, I'm happy to tell you afterwards. But we are still in a suffering world. But when, when he returns, it will be sorted out. It will be sorted out. He really is kind. He does care about us and walks through us through his spirit. So if you're a Christian now, someone who trusts Jesus, maybe you have those dead dog days and you think, oh, I've had enough of all this. Remember, Jesus is kind. He knows what it's like. He suffered just like you and me. And if you're not someone yet who's decided to follow Jesus, please accept his gift of eternal life. He does love you completely. Accept that gift that he, can offer, he offers to you. And you get that eternal life the moment you trust in him. He just gives it to you. Maybe you, you are blaming God for everything that goes wrong in your life. You might be like that, um, that woman. Please accept God's kindness. That's what I'd say to you this morning.
Let's have a moment's silence now and then we'll pray. Just think maybe in this silence, think about what's jumped out at you from that reading, what's jumped out at you from what I've said, what's God saying to you this morning, because he is here with us now through his Holy Spirit, he's with us now. Listen to him and receive from him. Lord, we thank you for your kindness, reflected in that kindness shown by David to Mephibosheth. And we pray that we will reflect your same kindness and love that you've shown to us uh, in all our relationships. And welcome all. And for any who, who haven't yet taken that step of receiving that gift of eternal life from Jesus, Lord, help us to trust you and to take that step to your glory, Jesus. Amen.